A couple of weeks ago, in partnership with Side by Side with U.S. Bank, I put out a call on my Instagram for your questions on career advancement, building a business, juggling work and motherhood, and y'all, anything in between. We got hundreds of responses from women in every kind of situation you can imagine, from just getting started in your career to how to deal with mommy guilt when you're a high achiever. To help me answer some of these questions, I brought in an expert. Specifically, Kate Quinn, Chief Administrative Officer at U.S. Bank, who has worked in basically every field you can imagine in her prolific career. So without further ado, here's my Q&A all about women in business with Kate Quinn. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Kate, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me and answer these My questions. My pleasure. Before we jump in, I would love, if you don't mind giving listeners a little bit of a background in your career, because I think it's so interesting and so poignant for the conversation that we're going to have. Sure. You know, somebody once said to me that a career is a marathon and not a sprint. And I would say that has definitely been the case for me. I started actually in uh, California, in Hollywood. I've worked in writing. I've worked in film editing, believe it or not. And I am now a banker. So if you can figure out how I got (laughs) from point A to point B, you're better than I. But I I just kind of followed the road and kept taking opportunities. And now I I run most of the corporate functions, strategy, digital transformation at U.S. Bank and having a great time. And I feel like I want to make sure and mention too, that you have navigated this career while raising children. Is that right? That is right. Yes. I have, uh, I have three boys. I have a 22 year old uh, son. I have a 17 year old son and I have an 11 year old son and I'm way too old to have an 11 year old, but I have one anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's, let's jump into these questions. We put a prompt up on Instagram and this was questions that we got directly from the community that I'd love to dig into with you and get your perspective on. Let's start with leadership. So one of the questions that we got said, I never really considered myself a leader. How do you know if you are one? What do you think about that? Well, that's a great question. I've never really thought about that. I I suppose at the most literal, if people follow you, then you're a leader. Even if you're a mom and your kids are following you and, and doing what you say, you're a leader. I think if your friends are asking you for advice, you're a leader. I think everybody uh, has elements of leadership within them. I totally agree. I would also say to think of it in terms of influence. And I don't mean influence in the social media world. I mean, if you have influence over people in your community, your friends, your family members, 
then you have an opportunity to step up into leadership. So I think it most, especially when I get this kind of question from a woman or a girl, I'm like, yes, you are a leader. Absolutely. You are a leader. And so it's not a question I think of whether or not you are one. It's accepting that, that that is something that's true for you. And then asking yourself, how is that something to cultivate in your life. So would you talk a little bit about how you've grown as a leader over the course of your career? Yeah. I mean, and I agree with you, Rachel. I I think most women, and I hope it's changing, but I think especially for me growing up, I mean, nobody ever told you you were a leader as a woman. Like in fact, the opposite, right? You were not expected to be a leader. I remember many times trying to lead and being told, hey, better not do that anymore. Right? So I do think that everybody does have it inside of them. And for me, I think it was um, it, it more, I was motivated to actually achieve. For me, I overcame, I had, I had so many confidence issues, to be honest with you, that I overcame just because I kept trying to achieve and kept trying to achieve. And it, it just kind of led me to a place where I achieved <laughs> because I just kept, <laughs> I kept trying. So, well, I, and. And what was that like for you? Because you've come up in more than one industry that's dominated by men. Yeah. So, you know, how have you navigated worlds where it, it, it is sometimes a boys club and you're working to be a leader and you're working to evolve, you're working to achieve when you're coming up against things that maybe don't always set us up for success as women in business? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I certainly over the past few years, especially I've had this conversation with myself over and over again, looking back, I think, you know, what could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? I wish I would have stood up for other women more than I did maybe early in my career. I I just think that it has been a, a different road for women than it's for men. Certainly in my industries, I think in any industry, and I do think it's changing, but I still think it's that way. I think my humor was always something that I used to help people uh, get the message, but without being so you know poignant about it or direct. Um, I remember uh, making a joke once in a in an executive meeting that it felt like a Robert Palmer video, and I remember <laughs> <laughs> I remember the only other woman in the room coming to me afterwards and saying, "That was awesome. Everybody got your point, but they were laughing instead of feeling badly about it. But you made your point." So I do think that if you think about communicating in a way that, that you get your point across, but you don't have to be mean about it, you can be constructive and humorous and really make the point. That's so good. And I think, you know, I want to like wave a magic wand and sort of say that like, it isn't still the case, but it is in a lot of cases, it's still, um, um, it's still more difficult for women to climb up the ladder. It's we're still not getting paid equal to men. There's all sorts of things that exist, especially in the corporate world. And I think the honest to God advice I would give a young woman, even if it's not like the most sort of magic answer, is I think that sometimes you have to like I feel like I came up in my career and I had to be better yeah. than the men in order to move up. It wasn't enough to be as good. You had to be better. You had to be excellent. And not everybody wants to hustle or sort of, you know, climb like I wanted to when I was younger. But I do think that you get to a place where you've worked really hard and you've navigated well. 
And then you get to start, like, it's almost like you play by the rules until you get to make your own. And there, there comes a time in your career where you do have more influence. You have it, like you're, you're able to use your voice in a different way. You're able to turn around and help other women come up. You're able to raise your hand and sort of point out the disparity. And so I guess what I would say to people who are in it right now and feel like it's a slog is just freaking keep going Yeah, because we need more women sitting around the board table, you know, in, in the boardroom, we need more women at the top and it looks like you staying strong and keeping moving forward in order to accomplish that. I think that's spot on. And I agree with you. I wish it were different, but I think you just keep going. You put one foot in front of the other. You don't let anybody take away your voice or your power. You're going to have moments where you just feel awful and you just keep going. (laughs) You just keep going. Have you ever encountered imposter syndrome? Like, have you ever been in situations in your career where you're like, I'm here and I have this job, but what the heck? Like, everyone's going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, in all honesty, don't you think everybody feels that way at some point? Yes. So the thing that I really um, dislike about you know, I've been sitting on women's panels for so long and women always say like, you can have it all. And I remember feeling like inside, like you can, like I'm doing something wrong because I do not feel like I have it all. What am I doing wrong? And I think the imposter syndrome is the same thing. Like, I think we all feel just like messy, right? It's messy. And we don't always feel confident. We don't always, and guess what? We don't always know what we're doing for real. Like it's not even an imposter syndrome. Sometimes I'm going, I don't know how to do that. And you just do it. You just do it. Right. There's this study that says, I'm going to for sure butcher the percentages, but it's something like if a man sees a, like a a job posting and he is 70% qualified or maybe even less, it might even be less than 70%. He will apply for a job statistically. But if a woman sees a job posting, she believes that she has to be 100% qualified for the job that she is applying for or she won't apply. And what that means is very few women get the opportunity to sort of step into bigger roles or kind of, you know, take a big shot because they're only asking for things that they feel like they are completely able to handle and that their resume can prove that. So I feel like that is something too where like, the dudes, like they're just, they don't care if they're an imposter. They're going to try and they're going to trust themselves to figure it out. And I guess if you're listening to this, I would really encourage you to believe in what you're capable of. I really think that sometimes you got to throw yourself into the deep end of the pool and that's when you learn how to swim. But you're never going to know if you don't sort of call the shot and aim for something bigger than you're doing today. I totally agree with you. And by the way, does anybody know how to be a mom when they first have a baby? No, 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 no matter right, what, right. You right. figure that out just like you figure anything else out. Right. And there's nothing with bigger stakes than that. Yep. A hundred percent. I'm curious, you know, we're talking about this, you know, the, the difference between being a man in business and being a woman in business. And I'd be curious, like, how have you navigated using your voice? Meaning either in speaking to your team, sort of speaking confidently about what you're building and what you're doing and where you're going, or being in a room like you talked about, where you are trying to, you know, find maybe the courage, if you're listening to this, maybe there are people who are like, man, I want to be able to say 
to speak up, to offer ideas into this brainstorm, but I'm having a hard time figuring out how to find that confidence. So one thing, one trick I learned early on was to pose your thought as a question because it's easier on you and you you probably have to have a little bit less confidence to do it. So instead of like making a point about something, you could say, have you ever thought of this? Or I wonder if we did it this way. And I'm not suggesting that that's the right thing, but I do think it's easier to get your voice in that way. And I will tell you that, again, I go back to humor. I think humor is like your seek can be your secret weapon because I cannot tell you how many times still I sit around a table and I'll say something and then a man around the table will say the exact same thing. <laughs> right, right. But now instead of being quiet about it, I go to the person next to me. Did you just hear that? Didn't I just say that a few minutes ago? Yeah. I have the confidence now. I don't care anymore. I'll say that just to make a point. Yeah, no, that's so good. I remember um, a really good bit of advice I got at the beginning of my career. Someone said, I want you to imagine that everybody's sitting, you know, at the team meeting, everybody gathered around this table. I want you to imagine it like a poker game. And how for however long you've been in your career, however, like whatever tenure you have or experience you have, the longer you've been here, the more poker chips you have. But you, you're brand new. You have one poker chip. And when you lose that poker chip, it's gone. So they said, I want you to imagine every time you come to this table, you have one poker chip. And because you only have one, you want to be really intentional. You absolutely want to use it in the game or it's worth nothing. But you want to be really intentional about when you speak up and how. And that helped me as someone who like, I probably talk a little too much and probably offer my opinion. (laughs) too often without people soliciting it, especially when I was younger, that really helped me to sit and think like, man, Rach, if you only get one chance to speak up or, or add to this conversation, you want to make sure that you're doing it on something you really believe in and that you know really well. And I feel like that helped me a lot to come across as a lot more professional than I was at the time. I think that's great advice. I think the other thing too is pay attention. Like um, some leaders that you're, if you're in a meeting, some leaders actually want everybody to speak up. And I think, again, men are better at this traditionally than women are. So they they do value volume. <laughs> they value input, yeah. they value volume. Even if you don't have much to say, I think if you're silent in a meeting with a leader like that, you're going to be noticed because you're not participating. So I think noticing if that's the kind of leader you're with, make sure to say something. I know maybe half a poker chip use, but but I think other leaders will value exactly that, you know, being really good, choosing your words carefully, using that poker chip well. But I do think it, you have to pay attention to the circumstances that you're in in order to make sure that you're uh, viewed in the right way by that leader. I would also say, you know, to really think about what is the unique skill or perspective that you are bringing to that table and really lean into that. Because like, I remember one of the times that I impressed like four bosses simultaneously the most, I was, I mean, I was maybe 20 and I saw these executives standing in an office trying to figure out a function on the computer and they just did not know how to do it. And these people were 10 levels above where I was, but I knew how to do the thing. Just because I was younger, I knew how to use the computer better. And so I, I mean, this was ages ago, right? When it was like still like they were, you know, doing this, like poking the keys. They were a little bit older. And I walked by and I was like, oh, excuse me. I actually, you know, and I walked over in 
literally 30 seconds, I did the thing that they needed done. And they were like, what? Like, who are you? How do you know? I'm like, oh, this is, but that was a, like, I think that you have to lean into the things that you know well. I couldn't have advised those people on how to like put the budget sheet together, but I certainly had that and was able to offer it. And that was, that was sort of the beginning of me kind of owning, like, look, I don't know everything, but there are some things that I have expertise on. And if there's an opportunity for me to use that, I really want to lean into it. I think that's great. I think, you know, one of the mistakes that I see people make the most is they say, you know, they, they say basically, I, Hey, I need a job. I can do anything. I can do anything. And I always say, that's the worst thing to do. It's the worst thing to put on your bio. Make sure to your point, exactly. That people know exactly what you are. Are you a dog? Are you a cat? Are you a coyote? Are you a bear? Because don't make people imagine and use their brain to figure out what you are. You figure it out for them. And that will definitely do you a lot more than being a generalist at anything. Even that's a really good practice, especially, I mean, this is for anybody, but especially if you're younger, I think it would be a really good practice before you even start applying, before you start thinking about what you're going to do for you to take that time to set the intentionality and understand like, what is that? What's the result I'm hoping for? Like, what is the, what, like you said, am I a coyote? Am I a bear? Am I a dog? Am I a fish? Like, how do you want to navigate up through this? I I know that my career has shifted and changed a million times in ways I couldn't have anticipated. But I think the the through line for me has always remained the same. I am a communicator. Mm-hmm. I was a communicator back when I was blogging about casserole recipes and later when I was writing fiction books and then became a speaker. Like Going all the way back, that's been my through line. And I think I could navigate a lot of roles as long as I keep what's like, what is your unique skill set that you really are great at? And I, I, it's exactly what you said, people, and I get it, you have bills to pay, but you can pay bills a lot of ways. So just taking even an afternoon, kind of sitting down with a journal and really digging into who am I, what am I great at? And what am I trying to build can really be a smart start to navigating what comes next. I agree. I, and I think a lot of people don't know what their special thing is. You know, I tell uh, a lot of the women that I mentor to go and ask the people around you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, ask them to give three attributes that describe you, three adjectives, three attributes. And then you start to hear that from people and you start to, a, a picture of kind of your unique you evolves. Because I, I do think a lot of people don't even know what makes them special. Yeah, that's real. How do you fight like the inner critic in you in your head? How do you like you have the audacity to say this is what makes me special? This is what I think I'm great at. My friends told me these three attributes, but how do you fight that negative self-talk that tries to make you feel insecure and and lose confidence? So, I've done everything from hanging, you know, positive post-it notes on the mirror when I was young, I did this to, you know, you you all the things like cancel, cut the tape, all the visual imagery. And now, you know, every time I just hear that voice, I just try to turn to like how would you want your friend to talk yeah. to you? I just try to train my inner self to, you know, somebody once said every person is a 5-year-old mm-hmm. inside. Right. I mean, we all are five years old inside, like those little kid voices for good and bad. And I, you know, I just try to kind of nurture the good part of it and 
be a self mom in a good way, yeah. the way I'd want my mom to be to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that when I'm, when I have the negative self-talk going on, I am thinking in the past. So my negative self-talk always comes from me pulling something, usually like an anxious thought, pulling something from my past and saying, this is going to happen again. You're going to mess this up. You're right. not going to get this right. They'll never want this idea. Like all of that, it's always past. And if I can ask myself, okay, are you in past, present, or future thought process? I mean, ideally, we'd all want to be very present in where we are today. But the quickest way that I know of to get out of negative self-talk or worry or anxiousness about something I'm working on is to push my thought process into the future. So instead of going, oh my gosh, what happens, you know, if this doesn't work out or it fails, I immediately go into what's it going to look like when it succeeds? What's it going to feel like when I walk in the doors the first day when I get this new job? Like I go into that because that will give me an emotional response that's really positive and it'll pull me out of that negative thinking. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I, we're kind of saying the same thing, right? You have to imagine the right. positive. You have to visualize the good because thoughts have power. And if you can, if you can make, turn the negatives into positives and imagine the good, then the good will happen Absolutely. more often than not. Let's get into tactics, Kate. So tell me, how do you organize your day? What are some things that you do that you feel like are really <laughs> helpful in helping you accomplish all the things that you need to get done? So I never feel like I accomplish all the things I need to get done. So right. let's just start that one there. straight right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, you know, morning is, I'm a morning person and morning is my very favorite time. And if I don't get my time to like, I wake up early, I wake up at like three forty-five, four in the morning by choice. Like I just love that time of day. I have my, you know, apple cider vinegar and Manuka honey. Like this is my ritual. Yes. So I have a ritual. Yes. And then I make my list and that list is like, I feel good when I cross stuff off that list. I never get through the list. So there's probably some bad psychology to that, but just organizing myself and having rituals, I think in the beginning of the day sets it off right. Cause you don't know what's going to happen. Well, you actually do. You know that your day is going to go bonkers at some point, right? You're going to get <laughs> off track. And so just kind of grounding yourself in the morning. For me, that's the most important thing. I'm going to give the exact same advice. I could not agree <laughs> more. I get up very, er very, very early. That's the time. I think, especially when you have kids, when you have kids, yeah. I've said this a million times. If your kids wake you up, it's too late. It's already too late yeah. <laughs> because you're <laughs> starting your day on defense instead of offense. So That's by right. taking that time in the morning to really be centered with myself, to set myself up for success, I am a better mom. I am a better leader because then I'm waking the kids up. I have been up for hours, so I have energy and I'm excited to like get them going. So that is, you're exactly right. The habits and the rituals are so key. I will say something I do a little differently than you if, if listeners want to try this too is I actually won't overload my to-do list. And maybe this is because I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you know what that means. I'm an achiever. And it really just tickles my fancy when I do exactly what I set out to do that day. So I will list three major moves. Like what are three things that if I only got those three things done today, I would have really pushed the needle in the direction that I want it to go. And I find that that helps me stay focused because I'm really bad. If I don't have direction, I will like 
emails that, oh, let me book. I'm like, just, I, I will do everything, but none of it matters. So that was a shift I made a few years ago. And that has really helped me stay focused. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Give that one a go. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the questions I see here that I think is such a good one is she says, I'm someone who wants to be as helpful as possible. How do I say no? How do you say no in a work environment? How do you hold those boundaries strong around yourself? Gosh, I think setting boundaries is one of the hardest things to do. And I think going back to what you just said, like you really, I think if you go back to, is this going to achieve my top three? Let's go with your top three. Is this going to contribute to my top three? And if it isn't, then I think you say no nicely. And if it is, then okay, move it along. I think people also have a hard time saying no to outside of work, right? Out, it's the same problem. Yes. And I see it happen with women all the time. And I think many people feel like they're a bad person if they say no. And I think, again, you can say no in a good way. You can offer alternatives. There's lots of ways to help without taking it all on yourself. I, and like, I need to listen yeah. to my own advice. Right. <laughs> I learned from a, actually an assistant of mine years ago, God bless her, asked me this question that I thought was like such a great shift. You know, when you, let's say you're getting asked to do things by people that you work with, by your boss, like you, there's stuff that you need to do at work. She started asking very intelligently, okay, which of the other tasks you've given me, would you like me to move down the priority list in order to accomplish this thing? Because as a lead, I'm like, oh, here's, you know, 27 things that we need to do. And she was getting overwhelmed because she loses sight of which things matter most. And she's, you know, doesn't want to stay late and doesn't want to have to come early. And she was like, okay, Rach, but which one should I move lower down on the list? And it was so helpful to me because I, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so, yeah. If you don't have the bandwidth, let me give you the order of how this should go. Yeah. And I think you, you need to listen to your inner like emotions on this stuff because you can, if you're feeling resentful, then you're saying yes too much. Yep. If you're angry, you're saying yes too much. So you need to listen to your emotions along these lines and that can be really helpful to you. Yeah. How do you navigate, you mentioned this earlier, and I think it's such a good point, the flip side of that. So what is, how do you navigate like home life and balance and all of that and say no to the job, which is very important, but there are times when our jobs can take advantage or ask too much, or we even have the perception like, oh my gosh, I got to work through the weekend to, to do this thing. So how do you stay strong in that? You know, I'm not really good at that. I have to say, I, I mean, like your I, honesty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not. And I do, you know, I'm the mom that chose work over going to the, to the thing, whatever it was at school. You mm -hmm. know, I never handed out cupcakes. I never, you know, dropped my kids off at the bus. That just wasn't me, but my kids know I love them. And I, you know, <laughs> I've said this before. I read this in a, literally a reader's digest article, like a hundred million years ago that said the most important thing for kids to know is that you love them. Not that you're doing everything you can with them or, you know, certainly I have quality time with my kids, but I am, I am not like sitting down and doing crafts and all that. And I had to let go of that guilt a long time ago. And it still gets me sometimes, but my kids know I love them. I've got three boys who are raised by a strong woman. And I feel like they're going to know when they go out into the world that you don't mess with women. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> That's good. <laughs> I love that because I do think every kind of mom is the right kind of mom. There's no one right way yeah. to be. 
And I would say as a working mom, especially something that really helped me was to identify some values that mattered most to me, not that mattered to the other moms at PTA, not that mattered to my mother-in-law, but really were essential to me. Like the capital T truths, like this is what I will do with my kids. And that allows everything else to fall away. Essentially, I said, what will I always say yes to, even if that means that everything else is a no? And that really helped me because owning a business, it, it isn't nine to five and it hasn't been right. for 18 years. So I, I wish that I could, you know, snap fingers and that's what, but it, but it's not. But I do have things that I am just non-negotiable about because they matter to me and they matter to my kids, even if they don't matter to other people. But I would like to encourage listeners, you have to stand up for what you need. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot in this episode about doing it in a way that's not off-putting, doing it in a way that's humorous, doing it in a way, you know, however you want to set that up you've got to stand up for yourself and what you need in order to do the job. I think we've seen this in such a massive way in the last 12 months, because suddenly we have, you're working from home and you're a teacher and you're parenting and you're in quarantine. It's so much. So if this last year hasn't taught us to speak up for how we show up for our families, for ourselves, and frankly, I don't care if you don't have kids, you need to be able to stand up for yourself and and what's going to make it work. And I think that that comes from the very beginning. Like for instance, I was interviewing someone yesterday for a, a really big role in my company. And she said, can you talk me through your core values? Can you talk me through, you know, what, what it is that you're building? And one of our core values here is work hard, live well. So we believe in working really freaking hard. Like there are times that we're in a launch or we have an event or we're doing something that you are going to have to put in way more hours. You're going to have to hustle harder. You're going to have to work through a weekend, maybe travel. Like that's what it is here. That's how we work. But we live well. We have unlimited vacation. You can take off as much time as you want. We encourage you to take care of your mental health. You need to work from home. Like, And I think that we can hold the balance of both. But what that woman was doing in conversation with me was seeing, is this the type of company where I can come and comfortably be the type of mama that I want to be or have the type of life that I want to have? And there's a chance she could have talked to me and I've been like, oh, we work 80 hour weeks. And and she knows right from the beginning. Yep, that's this is not going to be the thing. So I think that you it's going back to the very beginning of our conversation with setting that intentionality before you look for what's next. So that you know, this is the dream. Let me set the goal. Let me be specific about what I want so that I can seek out a company that helps me navigate there. I think that's great advice. I also, you know, I think that people, you know, they look at you, they look at people like me who have achieved a certain amount. And I think they think that everything's easy for them. Oh gosh. And but, but right? right. I know it's funny, but, but I do think that, and I can't tell you, you know, one, once I was speaking to a group of women and when I told the truth about, they were like, Oh, I did this photo shoot and they thought it was so glamorous. And I said, yep. Yeah, but when I left in the morning at that time, my five-year-old was like hanging on my leg going, don't go mommy, don't go. I was crying. I had to go to New York, blah, blah. And I remember so many women going, I didn't realize that you had to go through that too. Yep. And I, it's just these little things, but I I think when you let other women know, like, this is my life too, right? It's messy. Like it's not all curated for me. 
right? I buy bags of Target salad, right? And put them in a bowl and eat that for lunch. Yes. Like the world, yep. it is messy yep. for me too. And it's okay to be messy because mm-hmm. that's life. Absolutely. So I, I think that's a really important message for women. Like it isn't all, you know, roses and rainbows. Like you just like trudge through, you get, you get through. <laughs> some days are great and some days are hard. Hundred <laughs> percent, and I think especially if you're a working mom too, because oh yeah, you know I I remember when my kids were younger, uh, I would it would be like Friday, and the young women in the office would be like, "What are you doing this weekend? We're going to brunch. I think we're gonna go hiking, maybe mimosas. What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm gonna go take care of four kids. It's not a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it's not time off." I'm going to walk in the door and immediately be in mom mode. They will not care that I'm tired. They will not care that I have makeup all over my, like that, that's my life. And this is the life I chose and it's fulfilling. I'm so freaking blessed and I love it, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. And it doesn't mean there aren't days that don't suck. And to your point, it's so important that women say that. Because there are a lot of women who will only show the glamour, who will only show the airbrushed, filtered photos on Instagram of how perfect their life is. And that makes other women feel like crap because they're like, what am I missing? Exactly. So I love that honesty. And I want to encourage the listeners, don't just absorb the honesty. Also act that out in your community. Tell your friends, talk about it with other women at work. Speak the truth because the solidarity you find in that sisterhood is incredible. Agree. Agree. Man, Kate, I appreciate you. I'm so grateful that we got this time. This feels like literally the perfect conversation given Women's History Month. And I hope that we've given listeners some food for thought and we've shared some good wisdom and 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 helped answer some of these questions. So thank you for hanging out and giving us your brilliant advice. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. And I hope that something is valuable to people. That means a lot. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, guys, that was awesome. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Kate Quinn in partnership with Side by Side with U.S. Bank. If you want to hear more episodes like this, where we bring in someone really cool who has a lot of experience and insight into a certain part of life or business, and then we answer your questions, let me know on Instagram. Drop me a message on the hotline and let us know what you want to know and who your dream guest for the show would be. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.